Lord, how good it is to be here today on this Good Friday service, Lord. God, it wasn't good for you, for you died on a cross for our sins, but tonight, Lord, we look into how it was good for us because you paid the price for our salvation and you died on a cross for our sins. And God, it all began there. The goodness toward us, it began there on the cross. And today we can enjoy your goodness, your love, because you made the way that we could know you. You made the way that we can find you. You made the way that we can be rescued and freed from our sins. And God, how we are so grateful today, Lord. How we are grateful that almost 2,000 years ago you died for us, Lord. And you made the way that we could find your goodness toward us. And so, Lord, we worship you and thank you for this evening. And we thank you that, God, you're here right now. Your spirit is upon us. And Lord, we are here with open hearts to receive from you as we honor you today on Good Friday. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good evening. Welcome, everybody, to our Good Friday service. We are here. We are here to honor God and to give him glory for what he's done almost 2,000 years ago. And welcome to you guys here online. And we're, I'm grateful that, that whoever's connected and you guys are here today, that together we could remember what Christ has done for us. Now, before we get into our Good Friday message, I just want to mention a few things. Remind you that on Sunday morning we're going to have two services a sunrise service at 6.30 a.m., I think sunrise. Actually, I started to see light around 5.45. I noted in my mind now, but uh, sunrise, I think, is officially around 6.15 or somewhere around that. But anyway, 6.30, we're going to have a sunrise service right here. And then at 9 a.m., we're going to have a second service at our regularly uh, time that we do at uh, meet at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning. Now, both services, as I've been mentioning, are going to be the same, so... I uh, hopefully uh, you guys will follow the Lord and which service you he would like you to be at and we can kind of disperse maybe the extra people since it is a family service both services the 6 30 and 9 a.m on Easter morning resurrection Sunday so uh, just to put that into your mind and remind you of that now at the end of the message today tonight we are going to be partaking in communion together so uh, as we honor Jesus Christ on this Good Friday, the, the day almost 2,000 years ago that he hung on the cross and died for our sins. So we're going to be partaking in communion and remembrance of him and honoring him. So I just ask you to prepare your hearts for that. That will be at the end of our service or the last part of our service. But before we get into that and before our message, I ask Pastor Stephen to come up and share his testimony. So he's going to be sharing uh, what Christ has done for him. And you know, that's what it's about, right? Christ died on the cross to change our lives. And so Pastor Stephen is going to share about that. So give him a warm welcome. Uh, 
it's a it's a great privilege, and especially as we come into Good Friday, and I would recommend this for all of you. It, it's been um, something that's been good for my heart to really review all that God has done for you, all that God has has moved in my life, and as we, you know, even going way back and up to what He's doing today and what you see Him in the future. All of that was him doing a great and mighty work. And we get to celebrate it on Good Friday as he uh, does the ultimate sacrifice for us. And um, so I recommend this for all of you. Uh, Take the time. Stop and think this Easter, this Resurrection Sunday, what God has done for you. And so, um, again... I recommend this for everybody. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer just real quick. Heavenly Father, I just pray that your words would come through, that your heart would be heard. The, the love that you touched my life with, Lord, uh, I just thank you. I praise you and I worship you because of all that you have given and all that you have done in my life, Lord. Um, my ups, my downs, my uh, going sideways. But you are faithful, just like the song today, Lord. And I just uh, lift this time up to you and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I grew up, I actually grew up in California uh, in a small Hispanic town called Pico Rivera in San Gabriel Valley. So uh, I guess that's where I get my love of uh, Mexican food. Uh, So if you're going to ask me, what what do you like? I'll go with Mexican food. And, <laughs> and so, um, you know, my dad was, uh, we're blue-collar workers. My dad was a truck driver for, uh, as far as I know, for most of his life. And, uh, and uh, my mom was a homemaker until the kids got old enough. And uh, she actually went back to school and became a teacher, a preschool teacher, and had a great uh, touch on people. And uh, actually, uh, pray for my mom. She's an unbeliever. She's one of the best people I know, but she doesn't know Christ. So I ask you to pray for her. She's getting up there in age, and uh, I'd appreciate that. Um, So I grew up in a fairly large family, family of six, uh, uh, highly competitive. We're very much in the sports. I swam, played water polo, Um, was very driven by that, very driven by winning and doing my best, and Actually, uh, it was a way for me to get noticed. It was a way for me to get attention, was how well I could do. And, and if um, you come from that, it influences the way you think and the way you see the world and actually how you receive what either the world's going to give you or even what God's going to give you in your life. Um, as you see it, uh, I, I remember my influences, uh, my high school senior year, the Christian club on my, uh, my uh, uh, campus gave all the seniors in, the, uh, in, in this particular class uh, Bibles. And I went, wow, okay, I'm going to try reading this. And I remembered opening Genesis, right, because that's how we read books, opening Genesis and going, man, this is boring. What does this have to do with anything? And that was the last I saw of anything with the Bible. Uh, yeah, I, I, 
uh, you know, being in that Hispanic world, uh, yeah, I saw a lot of Catholics. I saw a lot of uh, marriages and, and funerals. I actually, because of my sports, played in a Mormon church and uh, played volleyball because they were very big. That was one of their outreaches and went to a couple of their services. But nothing really touched my heart. And, um, you know, as I grew older and grew in, in, in my life, um, it really came as I was in college. There was a, a um, I remember my senior year walking in the campus in the quad. Some guy, you know how people, in, especially in college campuses, just came across and asked me, hey, what, what is it that you think of God? And, you know, me being that bright guy, knowing everything, oh, yeah, the Big Bang Theory. I had no idea what that actually meant, you know, what that entails and what belief that would have to take to be, believe that there was this Big Bang and everything came from that. But it was the answer, right? We, we grow up in this, this system of, hey, we come from apes, we do this. Uh, we even have that growth chart that you see the apes through man. You know, that's the influence that we all saw. And I bought into that because I had nothing else. I had nowhere else. And But I, what I really felt as I look back, it was God reaching out to me and asking me the question, what is it that you really think? What is it that you think of God and who I am? And so, you know, that came and went and, and, and I went on. I worked for a large, uh, graduated, worked for a large aerospace company. That's my first job. I thought I was going to live and die in aerospace. That, I mean, back then, back then, uh, you had one job, <laughs> and you lived that job for the rest of your life. And uh, kind of interesting, you know, I, I went in it, and, and uh, there is where I was seeking fulfillment. There is where I was seeking to become and become satisfied and find peace, right? Um, the job I do, I want to be known, right? Kind of going back to my sports world. I want to be known. I want to do this job well. I'm going to move up the ladder. I mean, aspirations in the end, hey, I'm going to become a VP. That's where I was going and what it took, you know, hours there, time there, um, and, and really a waste of time there. But as I grew, it was interesting. I met my wife, right? Um, we were both lifeguards, and uh, we've had our battles. She actually ended up marrying me. Incredible. That's even God working that. She's been the greatest, greatest influence upon me. Her faith is so much bigger than mine, and it always draws me back. And, and through that, I started listening to the radio. Uh, K-Way was the big radio in California. It was a, a Calvary radio station. And for some reason, for me, I locked in, and that's all I listened to. I stopped listening to regular radio, the pop, you know, Kiss FM or whatever it was, and that's all I listened to. And all that was was sermons after sermons after sermons, every half hour, different person. And it, it started affecting my life. It started affecting me. And 
even so that I listened to it before, before work, uh, I, I remember Greg Glory was always on. And if you ever know Greg Glory, he's an evangelist, his, he always ends his messages with a, a question for you. And I remember him asking the question, if you were to die today, would you go to heaven? And it started me thinking, would I? Why? And, and you know, other questions that he asked, why would God let you into heaven? You know, and, and these are real things I think we all think about. We all think about is, what is the plan? What am I doing here? What is going on? And as I heard the word, as I heard the messages, it drew me in. It drew me into the idea that, you know, my question was, is there really a future? Is there a hope? Because that's what I want. And I think that's what many of us want. And it tells us in the Bible, right? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Incredible for me, because those were the exact words I was asking. What is the future? What is my hope? And God is telling me exactly his word telling me I have a future and a hope for you and really it brought me in and brought me into the idea of God is there for me and at that time I took the step of saying God I want to give you my life I want to give you that you become not just my savior but the Lord of my life and I want you to guide me because you have a plan. And you tell me you have a future and a hope for me. That is what I'm looking for. And, you know, there's been many ups and downs in my life. There's been, you know, uh, a great marriage. But all marriages, two people, we collide, we butt heads. But also it's been the greatest satisfaction, the greatest love of my life. It also brought about, you know, not just marriage, but a family. And trying to figure out kids, man, that's been tough. That's been a fun one. Figuring out who they are, what they are, how I'm supposed to influence them. Because the interesting thing is if you actually read the Bible and you actually see what it says, it tells you what your influence is to be upon your kids. And it gives you direction. And it's like, wow, here, here's a direction for my life. <clears throat> you know, it's been 34 years for me of walking, of praying, of seeing God through my ups and downs, of drawing close and kind of fading away, of, kind, of, of seeing now truly if you... Fast forward to this time now, probably within the last 10 years of God really challenging me to say, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. Not just know, not just read my word and know what the words say, but draw near to me. Have this relationship with me. That's what's most important. 
that you know me and I will be known to you. And it works in our lives. And it's such a great thing that God has done for me, has worked in me and given to me. And he continually is working this. We Have we had ups and downs? Yeah. You know, uh, it wasn't to take the step to grow me to come to Maui's uh, 16, 17 years ago with a family of nine, no job, no place to stay, and here we go. I want you to come. All those were steps, short-term missions, uh, one-day missions over in Ensenada. Hey, God took care of you. Going to Thailand, that was a big one for me. If he can do that, he can do this. He can do this in my life. He can do this for you guys and for you guys listening. For those who don't know Christ, who are asking that question, what is the plan? What is going on? He has a plan for you. He has a future for you. And he's going to give you hope. And he has peace. And that's, I think, in the end of what my testimony, I wish it to be, and I want it to be for you is God has a plan for each and every one of us. And he wants to do a great and mighty work in us. And truly, as we come to this Good Friday service, open your heart to know what he has given unto us. As Pastor Rick shares with us this message, I ask you, as maybe I got your attention a little bit, open your heart to hear what God wants to challenge you with, what God wants to say to you, to come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Because I've done the work. I have the gift for you. And really, that's what my testimony, I want it to be. And so that's what I share with you today. I just thank you for for listening to me. Let's close in a a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you. I thank you for your love, your your grace, for your work, your constant touching in my life and drawing me closer and closer to you. Help me, Lord. Help us all to submit our lives to you. Help us, Holy Spirit, as you dwell within those who believe in you, to open our hearts to say you are truly Lord of our lives, not just Savior, but Lord of our lives. And Lord, do a great and mighty work. You have a path. You have, we are just, you know, clays in your hand, but we are a masterpiece in the making in the master's hand. And we just lift it this time. And I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks. Thank you, Pastor Stephen. It's great to hear a testimony of a life that was changed in Jesus Christ. And that's why we're here, right? That's why we come church. That's why we seek him. And that's why we're here today, right now, in this service to honor Jesus on this Good Friday service because of what he's done for us. So let's get into the word, our message for Good Friday. If you can turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5 for our text for our message today. 
Romans 5, and we're going to get right into it as uh, we prayed already, and Pastor Stephen just prayed, and uh, we just want to honor God here, and we'll just uh, uh, get into his word right now with all of this. Well, I came across some uh, cakey answering this question. What is love? So let me give you some examples of how these cakey answered. Chrissy, age six, said, Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries without making them give you any of theirs. <laughs> Carl, age five, said, Love is when a girl puts on perfume and a boy puts on shaving cologne and they go out and smell each other. <laughs> Danny, age seven, said, Love is... When my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure the taste is okay. That's nice, but I don't know. When my wife makes me a sandwich, it always comes with a bite out of it. I think she's a little hungry. Emily, age eight, says, Love is when you kiss all the time. Then when you get tired of kissing, you still want to be together and you talk more. My mommy and daddy are like that. They look gross when they kiss. Yes, Emily, they keep thinking that. Yeah. <laughs> they keep thinking that till you're 21. No. <laughs> Lastly, Elaine, age five, says, love is when mommy gives daddy the best piece of chicken. <laughs> I like that one. Well, tonight we come to our Good Friday service and we look into when Jesus died on the cross and we find what God's love is. And that's the title of our message, what, God, what God's Love Is. We're going to be looking at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 9 for our message here tonight. And I have uh, three things we're going to find out about what God's love is. God's love is, number one, it's unwavering, it's unconditional, and number three, it's unwavering. Failing. So what God's love is. Let's begin here with number one. It's unwavering. It's unwavering. Now we're going to be looking at verse 6 in this first part. So take a look with me here now. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Now we'll stop there. Now while we were, and he's talking about everyone in the world generally, he's talking about the people in the world were s still weak. The original word in the Bible really talks about how we were helpless, how we were, we were basically unable to save ourselves. We were morally helpless and weak. So we were weak in the sense that we could not get to God. We could not save ourselves. There was nothing that we could do. We were unable to save ourselves. And you know, let me add this. We were paralyzed by our sin. We we're in bondage of our sin. So, verse 6, while we were still weak, where we were utterly helpless, at the right time Christ died. In other words, Jesus came right at the right moment. Right at the moment, according to actually his plan. That's the idea. He came at the right time, right at the right moment, according to the plan of God. 
So think about this. Now, the death of Christ on the cross, it, was, it wasn't some untimely death. It wasn't like, oh, no, look what happened to Jesus. How unfortunate. No, it was all according to God's plan, timed perfectly. Jesus came and died on the cross as planned by God from the beginning. We read in 1 Peter 1.20, God chose him as your ransom. And it says, long before the world began, right? Before the foundation of the world, before eternity, in, in eternity past, I should say it that way. God had this plan to send Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins. And then verse 6 goes on to say that Christ died for who? The ungodly. Who's that? Sinners, basically. Those who rebelled against God. Those who were disobedient to God's law. Those who, 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 who could not save themselves. And you know what? That includes all of us. Yeah, We are all sinners. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 So, the rescue plan that was started and planned and designed way before an eternity passed, it was specifically for who? All sinners, everyone who failed God. And, and, and throughout, this, throughout time, throughout all that had gone on through history, from the beginning of time on, from the creation of, of human beings, God's love never gave up. God's love never gave up. God's love never stopped, no matter how ungodly people were, no matter what us sinners did. J.C. Ryle wrote this, God is far more willing to save sinners than sinners are to be saved. And I like that thought because the world was running away from God. The world didn't care about God. The world wasn't just rebellious and against God, but the world could care less about God. Yet God was willing to save these people who, could, who were helpless, who could not save themselves. So here's the first thing I want you to see. God's unwavering love never went off the plan to save sinners who weren't following His plan. Do you understand that? He kept to the plan. He stayed to the plan that was planned. It was unwavering His love for sinners, for human beings, for us to know Him who are lost in their sin. And so God's unwavering love never went off the plan to save sinners who weren't following His plan. You know what I think about? I was thinking about how Jesus, He had several times, about three times, probably more, three times we find in the Gospels. But he told the disciples, actually ahead of time, that he got to go to Jerusalem, he's going to be arrested by the religious leaders, he's going to be killed, he's going to be put on the cross, basically. And, but then he said, I'm going to rise again on the third day. Well, on the last night of his life, when Jesus shared with this heavy heart that he, he added that, you know what, one of you guys, remember he was having a last supper with the 12 disciples, and he said, hey, one of you guys is going to betray me. It's going to start this, this chain of events where I'm going to end up dying on the cross. Someone's right here in this room, one of us is going to betray me. And we know, we read in John, everyone's like, oh, oh, kind of bummed out a little bit. They were sorrowful, like, oh, who, who is it? Is it me? Who, who's that? 
But you know what happened? That only lasted a short time. Right after that, they began to argue with one another. You know what they started arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest? I mean, they believed Jesus was coming to bringing the kingdom and establishing God's kingdom. And they, they thought, we're part of the administration, you know. Who's, who's going to be like top dog here? And they started arguing about that. Right after Jesus bared his heart that someone right in their group, in their circle, was going to betray him. How hurtful that must have been for Jesus. Can you imagine his heart? He just, he just shared a, a deep thought. And he had been telling me, look, I'm, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to be crucified. And what do they care about? Who's greater? Yeah, They were thinking about themselves and not Jesus. Now at that moment, I don't know, if I, 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 I would have given up. I would have said, forget it then, you guys. You guys are all gone. Not just the betrayer, but everyone's all gone. Forget it. Ah, right? It's a good thing I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's our reaction normally. Someone wrongs us. Someone does something like, oh, forget you. That's what these guys did for Jesus. One time our, our cat Ziggy scratched me. I was kind of petting him and then wrestling a little bit. And then he like, scratched me like little Riley says, you know, kind of thing. He scratched me. And I was like, oh, forget it. Yeah, you're gone. Get out of here. You can't sit on my lap anymore. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm throwing you outside. That's it. Shutting the doors. You can't come in. And no more plan to feed you again. <laughs> right? I mean, that, that's our natural reaction to things like this. But think about God. Think about the plan he had all along. Yeah? He kept to that plan, unwavering because of his love for us. How many times have we made trouble for God? Think about that even tonight. Maybe you're, you're here thinking about, well, I need to come to service because, you know, you know what, God, I, I haven't been living right. Maybe, maybe you're connected online because, oh, it's weighing heavy upon you because, oh, Lord, I have been selfish. I've been prideful. I've been just thinking about me and how, that, God, you've done this to me. Yeah? And we just keep thinking about ourselves, self-seeking. Yeah, let me tell you right now, you know what? God is not giving up on us. God is not giving up. Why? Because His love is unwavering. If you're a believer, God has a plan for you. God's sovereign plan for you is still there, you guys. And God's not going to just say, no more, forget it. You messed up here. Oh, you have some wrong thoughts in your heart. Is He going to say, oh, power with you now. Go back to the end of the line. Yeah, no. He still is working in your life because His love is unwavering. And God will finish His plan for you. Right? That started, was designed way back in eternity past. Will God change now? No. Will God change with what you've done? No. Doesn't make excuse for the sin. Yeah. But don't feel like, oh, maybe God's done. No. God's love is still unwavering for you. What God's love is, it's unwavering. 
Let's go to number two. The second thing we see in verse 7 and 8 is God's love. It's unconditional. It's unconditional. So take a look at verse 7 first. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. Now, so Paul goes on here and, and he helps the reader, he helps us really today to get a better grasp of what he's talking about, about the Lord and his heart and his love for us. So so he writes here in verse 7 that a person will scarcely die for a righteous person. In other words, it's rare to find this. It's rare rare to find uh, someone, scarcely rare to find someone that would really die for a righteous person. You know what he's talking about? Someone who's super godly. Yeah. Someone you, you think, oh, they're holy, they're close to God. And someone will rarely uh, uh, die. They're not really willing to do that. And then verse 7, though perhaps for a good person, one wouldn't even dare to die. Maybe, maybe a, a couple levels down, you know, just a, just a good guy, not holy or godly, but maybe just a good guy. You know, someone maybe even, maybe they might die. They might dare to give their life for that person. So Paul is setting our minds up to think this way. In other words, it would be easy to understand Jesus dying for good people. It would, it would be easy that he would do it for a good person. I mean, that makes sense. But then look at verse 8. Paul says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So he says, but you know what? God is not like the way we operate. Yeah? It, uh, it's rare for us to lay down our life for, for anyone, really. But God showed His love for us. The word showed here means to set forth. It means to declare. It means to make known. God made known His love. The old King James says, demonstrates. So God showed, God made known His love. And the word love here is, you guys can take a guess, agape, yeah? Which is unconditional love. Not a love that you barter or trade with. Not, not, not a love that is dependent upon uh, what someone does or not do, yeah? This is unconditional love. It just loves, that's God's love. It's not like God says, well, you better be nice, you better be good, you better obey me, or, you know, I'm not going to love you. No, God is saying, uh, uh, God loves with a agape love, this unconditional love. And so, how does He show this love? How does He make known this love? Well, verse 8 goes on that God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners... In other words, while we were in the midst of being a sinner, you guys, we weren't, we weren't doing good to merit God's love and for, toward us, right? We were in sin. We were in, in rebellion. We were lost in our sin. And even earlier, we didn't even care about God. That's how bad it got. But in that, while we were still sinners, what happened? Well, verse 8. Christ died, right, for us. Isn't that amazing, you guys? 
It says here, Christ died for us. Personalize that. Christ died for me. What? Jesus, while I was a sinner, not when I was doing good, not when, oh, well, I started to turn to God and I, I, I went to church. No, it was before that. Oh, oh, it, it was when I started to maybe pray. Or I remember a part of my testimony is um, uh, 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 good, uh, a really good friend of mine in high school asked me, oh, do you believe in God? And I said, well, yeah, I think so. And I started praying. I don't know why, just that was the first thing I did, you know, before I really received Christ. And maybe some of your first steps, you think, oh, well, well, if I do this, then God will love me. No, it says, while we were still sinners, yeah, Christ died for us. Christ, while Jesus died for sinners who did nothing to earn His love. So do you see what it's saying here? Jesus sacrifices love to save you. It's not based on performance. It's based on pure love. This is love. This is the demonstration of love. This, is, this, this really shows what love is. William Hendrickson wrote in his commentary, Christ died for those who were bad, bad, bad. <laughs> I love that. Think about that's the idea. We were bad, 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 you guys. Three times bad, not just one time. We were the worst. Today, as we come here to honor God, as we made the effort to come here, you guys, we made the effort to connect online. You know, we commemorate this day almost 2,000 years ago when Jesus hung on the cross and died for our sins. But think about that. Think about what He did for you. Think about what He did. We remember He sacrificed Himself because of this unconditional love. Think, think of the beatings He endured. Yeah. Think about being hit and struck by those Roman soldiers. Think about... The, how they made, you know, that crown of thorns and pushed it down, yeah, on his skull. When he took that rod, yeah, and went, boom, and probably hit him on the head and the thorns just pierced his, his head even more so. Think about the scourging, yeah, that happened on his back. They, they, they would have tied his, his hands to this low post and and it would cause his back to be stretched. And then they took this like cat of nine tails, yeah? This, this, this rod with this string of leather, leather belts on it. And at the end of, of the, the leather strands were like pieces of metal and sharp pieces of glass, all embedded in the leather. And they went whack, whack, all across his back. They say that it would have left him totally his the the skin on his back like shredded yeah pieces of skin hanging and and some doctors even say that oh it, it probably exposed organs that's how bad it was think think about that that was just the beginning think about when he was hung on the cross they say back then the romans used a seven inch square shaft nail seven inches now and they would have taken his 
his arms and his hands. Traditionally, uh, uh, you, you know, they, they say it was nailed through his hands, but um, a lot of people believe that it was probably through the wrist right here, because if it was right, right through this part of his hand, it the nails would have just ripped through the palm of his hand. So most likely he was nailed right here between the two bones. And the whole bone structure would support him hanging on the cross. So imagine a nail here and a nail here. Imagine the nail going through that, piercing that carpal tunnel nerve. Some of you struggle with carpal tunnel. Imagine a nail there. Imagine the pain he went through excruciating pain. I kind of picture his fingers, you know, his fingers probably like cramping, like bent because of that. Not only that, think about that nail that was nailed into his feet. Both feet. The Romans would usually uh, put one foot upon the other and just take one of those nails and go wham! And nailed him to that wooden cross. Think of Jesus now hanging on the cross. His arms would have been bent a little bit. That's, what, that's how they would have nailed him there. Not, not stretched out, but bent a little bit. His legs were bent a, a little bit like this. And it was all designed because as the person who's crucified is hanging like that, little bent in their, at their knees and little bent with their arms, you know what, you, in that position, hanging by the nails, you could not breathe. And to be able to take a breath, you had to push yourself up to be able to take a breath in. It was designed that way. This is how horrible crucifixion is. So he had to push, pull on the nails on his wrists, push down on his feet just to take a breath. Can you imagine all that going on? Jesus hanging on the cross. And you know what? The Romans used crucifixion. They didn't invent it. They, they took it from a, another people group. But they purposely used this because it was designed for a slow death. Most people who hung there hung for days, you guys. Days. Days. Can you imagine being in that pain? Jesus hung there from 9 a.m. to 3 p.m., on that Friday. At 3 p.m., he died. He gave up his spirit. He, he, it was at that moment when he gave himself up yeah, that he died at 3 p.m. on that Friday, almost 2,000 years ago. But that was what he went through in giving his life, shedding his blood, sacrificing himself for the atonement of our sins. He did it for you. He did it for me. Personalize this. Jesus, you did that for me? Why would anyone die for me? Let alone now God, the Son, die for you, for your sins? What we see here is God's unconditional love. And it's seen in the greatest demonstration of all, the cross. Understand that. When you look at the cross, like the one in the corner over here, see it in that way. This is God's demonstration of love. 
It's the greatest demonstration of love that anyone could do to sacrifice themselves in that way, you guys. Look at the cross that way. I hope next time you look at the cross, or, you, or you, maybe you guys have a cross at home, hanging on a wall, or some jewelry. Think about that way. This is God's unconditional love. That's what it speaks of. In the cross, we see in the greatest demonstration of all of His love. You know, there was a moment on the cross when Jesus is hanging there. And you know what? The Jewish religious leaders come to the foot of the cross and, and they start railing on Him. They start mocking Him. So it wasn't just the pain. It wasn't just He was unjustly condemned and put upon a cross. It wasn't just that uh, He was betrayed by one of His own. Then the religious leaders come mocking Him, railing on Him. And you know what they said in Matthew twenty-seven forty-two. They said, he saved others. He Look, he cannot save himself. He's, yeah, sure, he's the king of Israel. Well, if he is, then let him come down from the cross right now. And you know what? Then we'll believe him. Totally mocking him. I mean, I don't know about you. I'd be like, oh, yeah? This is God, right, on a cross. If I, if I, were, if I was there and I was God, I'd be like, oh, yeah? I'll come down and we'll take care of it now. <laughs> yeah, kind of thing. But he didn't. He didn't. Even being mocked. See, they were wrong. They said, ah, he can't save himself. He saved others. He talks about saving others. He can't save himself. But they were wrong. Jesus could have saved himself, but he didn't. You know why? Because he wanted to save others. He wanted to save you. So understand that. Maybe you're here tonight and you're doubting God's love for you. Look at verse 8 again. What does it say? God does love you. God demonstrates. God shows His love for us. That while you were a sinner, He died for you. If you ever doubt God's love, then look at verse 8. Go to Romans 5.8. Pull that out and read it. If you ever feel like, I'm not worth anything. No, you are worth something because Christ died for you. And He proved it 2,000 years ago. On Good Friday. So next time you feel condemned, next time you feel unloved, go to Romans 5, 8 and see you are loved. And that's why I say tonight, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus' heart is for you. Understand that. If you're feeling guilt and shame and the condemnation. You think, oh, Lord, I messed up this week. Lord, I I blew it today. God, out of all the weeks, this is when I fell. But let me tell you, that's why Jesus died for your sin. That's why. That's why. Take note something here in verse 8. It says, but God shows His love. In the Greek tense, where it's a, the word shows, it's a continual tense. In other words, God keeps showing. God keeps demonstrating. God keeps loving you. Even though you sin, even though you sin, God will continue to love you because Christ died for you here. Hold to this fact tonight, you guys. God's love is not based on how lovable you are, God's love is based on how loving He is. That's the key. 
That's the key, you guys. 1 John 4, 9 says, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. You ask, you may be asking, well, how much did God, how much does God really love me? Well, think about it this way. Jesus spread out his arms and he said, this much. So know that tonight. That's how much God loves you. What God's love is, it's unwavering, it's unconditional, and finally, number three, it's unfailing, unfailing. Our last verse tonight, Romans chapter 5, verse 9 says, Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So Paul says, since, because God loves us so much and Jesus died for our sins, therefore, he's saying, let me tell you this, even, there's even more comfort. Because of this, we have comfort that we have been justified by his blood by the blood of christ that was shed on the cross we have been justified we have been made right with god that's what he's saying this is the justification of believers that's the technical term justification you see christ's blood cleanses us and so we can be forgiven because he paid for our sins uh, he atoned for our sins. So, so we can be cleansed. We can be forgiven. And then we can be made right with God. And now we are justified. Justification, you remember? It means, here's the easy way to remember. It means just as if I never sinned. Remember that. Because that's what it means. That you are righteous before God. Now, because of Christ. That's your position before God. And that eternal position never changes. Jesus said, um, actually turn to John chapter 5. John chapter 5, verse 24. If you can quickly turn there. John 5, 24. Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but is passed from death to life. That word, he does not come into judgment, he is not condemned. So if you go back to Romans chapter 5, it goes along with verse 9 that we've been justified, that we're not condemned. Much more shall we be saved by Him from what? The wrath of God, the judgment of God. So understand that from the moment Christ's blood cleanses you and saves you, you're saved from eternal judgment. That's your eternal position before God. And guess what? That never changes. It doesn't change. So our last point is this. God's unfailing love keeps your eternal future secure in heaven by the justifying blood of Jesus. That's what he's done. The bloodshed on the cross assures you that forever his unfailing love will keep your eternal future. Hold on to that. Jesus' blood will not fail you. 
No matter what you may go through in this earth here, no matter the struggles, you will make it to heaven. God, Jesus' blood seals that. I'll close with this. Um, I read about this Florida boy who got uh, caught by an alligator. His father jumped in, but it, the alligator had the boy by his legs. And good thing that this passing farmer was able to shoot and kill the alligator. The boy survived, and after months in the hospital, there were still scars that was left on his legs and his arms, and also his arms where the father had dug in with his fingernails to hang on in this tug of war. So he had scars from the alligator and then scars from the father holding on. A reporter following this story interviewed the boy and asked to see the scar. The boy lifted up his pant leg and then with great pride he showed his arms saying this, look at my arms. I have big scars on my arms too. I have them because dad wouldn't let go. And that's what the scars on Jesus say. The scars on Jesus say, I'm, I'll never let you go. I died on the cross for you. And once you're saved, you're going to make it. Once you're saved, I'm going to hold on to you. And that's our Lord. That's Jesus. Jesus is unwavering, unconditional, unfailing. And this is what God's love is. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come before you, as we, as we have looked into your word, God, and as we've honored you today by being here and, Lord, understanding a little bit more of your love for us through your sacrifice on the cross, God, we want to love you back. We want to say thank you, God. We want to say, Lord, thank you for saving me. Thank you that you did the work on the cross and it's as simple as just praying and asking you to forgive us, asking you to come into our lives as we surrender our lives to you. I pray for anyone here and anyone online that they would just pray a simple prayer here before we move into communion, that they would simply just, just say, Dear Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me right now. I give you my life as, as, as I accept you into mine. Fill me with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, then welcome to the family of God in your seat. And Jesus, as we move on now to remember you as we partake in communion as you commanded lord may you bless this time may your presence be felt and lord may you meet us right here as we honor you in jesus name amen hopefully uh you guys have grabbed your elements and uh we're gonna worship the lord and with the song, and then I will lead you into partaking of the elements. If you like, uh, you can peel off at least the clear layer. Uh, we, we got a good tip from Pastor Stephen last time. They just bend the, the tip in this tab, and it breaks, and it'll be easier to get to the cup, the cup part. But first, the bread. First, the bread. We're going to partake of that.
But we're going to worship first, and as we come before the Lord, you know, bring your sorrows to the foot of the cross. Bring your light to the foot of the cross. Bring your sins and offer Him your heart and find His forgiveness as we honor Him right now. So let's worship Him. <laughs>